crystal clear Pepsi, guacamole, and butt music from hell, all on today's episode of the Booterverse. Booterites, Booterians, and Booterlebers, we have another episode of the Booterverse podcast just for you. On today's episode, we have comedian Vincent Holliday with us, Judy Scheinbaum answers his questions, and of course we have a Booter thought for you, all on today's episode of the Booterverse. Booter. Today's episode of the Booterverse is brought to you by Coasters. Coasters, when you're just too lazy to hold a glass. Booter. And now for news in my orbit. You know a painting must be weird if it took someone over 500 years to pay enough attention to the sheet music tattooed on a man's butt cheeks to actually try and play it. Hieronymus Bosch, who painted the Garden of Earthly Delights sometime between 1490 and 1510, clearly had a lot on his mind. In a sort of Where's Waldo of the Depraved, Cities burn, severed ears crush naked bodies, and Pepto-Bismol pink mutants skewer the sinful with something that looks like Torquemada's selfie stick. And right there in the midst of it is that bare-assed man with a staph infection. Maybe not the kind of staff we're used to nowadays, but that's probably a different kind of hell. At any rate, an Oklahoma Christian University student named Amelia, with far too much time on her hands, has transcribed the butt music into modern notation, pecked it out on the piano, and splashed it on the internet for all the world to hear. But not even the heavy metal version of that ditty from the derriere has assuaged the ire of a New Jersey fraternity that claims it has a trademark on quote-unquote butt music from hell. And that fraternity is now considering seeking damages. Anthony Petronio, a representative of Alpha Sigma Sigma, says that's the slogan for their annual Nacho Night, and they have the t-shirts to prove it. It's like butt music from hell, it says. Somebody said that once the morning after our big nacho party, and it just stuck. We get a pretty big supply of bean dip, man. You know, it, it happens. We're guys. As he related this story, one of his fraternity brothers pulled out a wad of t-shirts going back to 2005, all emblazoned with some sort of ass picture, a noxious cloud, and the phrase, butt music from hell. But we're especially proud of this one, he says, holding up a t-shirt from 2012, which shows Satan serving bean dip from a bar while a lounge singer pounds out standards on a piano in the shape of a buttocks. We call that one Farts Accord, he laughed. Those were the days. Well, Alpha Sigma Sigma says it bears Amelia no ill will, but that it's the principle of the matter. Her thing has gone viral, Petrano says, wiping a tear from his eye. We hear Eminem is going to do a remix. If somebody is going to make a buttload of money off that phrase, it should be us. Nacho Night is an Al Sig touchstone. One has to ask, will the university music student cease and desist, or will her response sound yet another bum note in this tortured tale? Stay tuned here on the Booterverse to see how this developing story turns out. You'll certainly feel like an ass if you don't. Turning to the Midwest, the town of Lake Cokie, Minnesota, was once known as the meth capital of the Finger Lakes, but now it's into a different kind of crystal. Recently, meth user Kurt Stiff broke into survivalist Burt Lamprey's underground supply bunker looking for anything he could pawn for drug money. 
What he found, however, was over 200 cases of Crystal Pepsi, covered in dust and cobwebs. At first, Stiff says, I was bummed. I thought, what the hell, soda pop? But hey, I was thirsty, so I tried some. Holy crap, that was great stuff! Stiff called in three of his good buddies to help him cart the stuff away, but the group got sidetracked by a Crystal Pepsi binge. Their playtime was over when one of the men lobbed an empty can over a fence, awakening Lamprey's sleeping Sharpay and alerting him to the soda heist in progress. At first, I thought they got into my weapons cachet, Lamprey says, and though I don't condone robbery, when I saw they were taking the Pepsi, I said hell, let them have it. Have you ever tried that crap? It's disgusting. Lamprey even helped the guys load the Pepsi into their Ford Aerostar minivan. And over the next few days, the guys drove from trailer park to trailer park, spreading the gospel of Crystal Clear Pepsi to all their fellow meth heads. Stiff said that from the very first taste, everybody who tried it was sold, and soon he and his compatriots were rolling in the dough, running out of Crystal Pepsi and planning their next move. He says the demand was so high and the prospective buyers so ardent that they started buying cases off the internet to resell. And just when you thought we'd bought the last can of Crystal Pepsi in existence, we hear they're maybe going to start making it again, Stiff marveled. But I think we're gonna go legit now. We've even applied for an official distribution license. PepsiCo refuses to comment on whether their decision to possibly start manufacturing the failed beverage has anything to do with the events in Minnesota. But David Novak, the drink's creator, is only too happy to share his opinion. He says he's not surprised that the only people who seem to love it have killed their taste buds with meth. But if they like it, they like it. It's money in my pocket. Lamprey is philosophical about his role in Soda's return to popularity. He says he's just hoping that this might spark the comeback of some other 90s fads. What I wouldn't do if they'd bring back the old Polly Pockets, he sighed. And the Rachel, that was such a flattering cut on so many women. But until that happens, all we know for sure is that the meth head position on this Pepsi is crystal clear. In political news, American politicians have finally come together in a great and courageous bipartisan stand, and the linking of arms and singing of kumbaya can't be far behind. No, it's not about health care, gay marriage, or the man bun. It was the response, as are many bold and history-making acts, to an outrageous proposition that peas be added as an ingredient to guacamole. Governance ground to a halt across the nation as Democrats and Republicans alike took to social media to register their disgust at such a travesty. Jeb Bush and President Obama were seen huddled together in an intense consultation that ended with a tight hug only moments before both dipped in and tweeted their outrage. California Democratic Rep Tony Cardenas was so incensed that he called on the New York Times, originator of the offending suggestion, to delete their Twitter account fire all their reporters, burn their headquarters to the ground, and start over. The Texas Republican Party took the serving suggestion as an open declaration of war, and was last seen stockpiling avocados and onions in advance of any hostilities. And the real enemy, they say, is not the New York foodies, but rather the pea lobby that is positioning itself for a major power grab. Apparently, the USP and Lentil Council headquartered in Moscow, Idaho, is exhorting all its subscribers and supporters to try the recipe over the 4th of July weekend. 
a spokesman for the Texas Republican Party, who wished to remain anonymous, said nothing is more suspicious or offensive than using our nation's most symbolic holiday to promote peace supremacy. Have you seen their propaganda, the spokesman went on. They are telling people to put them in smoothies for the love of God, and they have pressured the UN to declare 2016 the International Year of Pulses. Pulses, that's code for peas. See how sneaky they are? We're far from hearing the end of this. Guacamole is just the Trojan horse. A sign on an avocado-filled bunker in San Antonio said what is in the hearts of many when it read simply, No Pigazi on our watch. And grocers are already feeling the pinch. Piggly Wiggly is reporting the sales of their deli pea salad, a summer picnic favorite, is down 54% over this time last week. Lynn Rosetto Casper, host of NPR's Splendid Table, has come out in support of peas and guacamole, and peas in general, and has been taken to task by Media Watch as being a puppet of the liberal press who, undoubtedly, support the forced legumization of America. It's too soon to tell if this will shift the focus on the next election towards appeasement, or if we're all just being led down the garden path. And that's been it for News in My Orbit. Hi everybody, it's Glenn McDougall here for uh, Silver Polish. That's right, Silver Polish. Nothing shines my sporin' like a nice case of Silver Polish. Am I really doing this, Silver Polish? I can't, I'm done with this. Ah! It's now that time in the show when our guest asks Judy Scheinbaum some questions in a segment we like to call The Last Lung with Judy. Judy, you're on the Booterverse. Oh, Emery, it is so good to be here. I am just overclemmed. My goodness, I can't believe you're already in year two. That just happened. You had an anniversary a while back. Did you tell good old Judy? No, I didn't even get you anything. But Vincent Holiday, comedian though you are, sir, you are here in the studio. Ask Lady Judy some questions, if you will. Oh, uh, Judy, this is, uh, it, it's great to meet you. I'm actually going to be moving to New York next year, so you have any advice on... On living in New York? Well, sweetheart, do I have any advice in living in New York? I mean, I am New York. You could live inside of me if you want, but I don't think you swing that way, sweetheart. Mm. <laughs> now, what I will tell you is you have to watch for the rent control. Sure, it's going to be seven fifty for a nice little flat, you know, over there in the Bronx. But I tell you what, you got to watch out for those cockroaches. They're everywhere. And some of the landlords, they look like the cockroaches, so you got to be wary of them, too. All right. Okay. I will uh, duly note it. I'll take that down. Find a place also by uh, a find a place also by a subway station. Not the not, not the, the sandwich, sandwich place. No, no, because uh, you want easy access, and I think you're a man that likes easy access. I do. I also I also do enjoy salami. So if I could between nestle between two subways. Absolutely, I love where your head's at. You know, uh, I like uh, going down to Nathan's, as people know. I reference it all the time, and uh, you know, sometimes you get a little, yourself a little hot dog. It's kind of like a salami, except you know, more Americanized. Yep. No, I love I love Nathan's wieners. They're great. I bet you do. I do. Uh, I am am going through a little thing right now. I think I might be uh, chasing an impossible dream. Think I might be in love with someone that won't ever love me back. You're like Feifel. You're trying to go west, but okay, go on. Yeah. Um. So what's what's the best way to to deal with that? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, as a Jew, I keep things bottled up inside um, until they just explode. 
Um, I wouldn't recommend it, uh, neither would my rabbi, but I will tell you, you know, it makes it pleasant for other people for a while. Mm -hmm. Until, you know, the anger and the frustration and the sadness seeps out like a gaping wound. Gotcha. Yeah, no, I understand. I, I bottle things up, too, and then usually I pour the, the bourbon out of the bottle. <laughs> mm, sweetheart, you have a favorite because the Judy uh, used to be a bit of a tipler back in her day. Uh, Pappy Van Winkle? Oh, did they get that where you're from? My goodness, look at you. You're a connoisseur. A lot of people don't know that name, but if they do, they know what they're talking about when they're talking about bourbon, of which I know very little. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, but, but I love it, though. You, sir, you go straight for the top shelf, and I love that about you. I can tell that right away. Yes. Uh, a hungry bottom always goes straight for the top. <laughs> I understand what you mean. There was this one muumuu I wore one time, and it was just so misshapen. But you know what? Judy does what Judy does. A little sense here, a little shush there, and boom. It was wonderful. Yeah, I looked like Gloria Swanson. Ah, uh, you do you, Judy. Oh, stop it. <laughs> and I will continue. Well, sweetie, this has just been a wonderful time talking to you. I mean, I, I love you already. I, I love that you're coming to the city. It's so good. We'll have to catch up. We'll do a little knish. It'll be great. Uh, are you single? Because I've got a daughter uh, who's still not married, and I could set you guys up if you'd like. Uh, that That's going to be a little awkward because I'm a little fagala. Listen, sweetheart, at this point, I'd, I'd ship her off to the military if I knew, you know, it would be good for her. Okay, well, maybe I'll pull a little bait and switch with her. Hey, seriously, all I need is a little, you know, a little financial security, and then I'll feel good about myself as a Jewish mother. <laughs> all right. I mean, as her mother, it's very difficult, you know. I'm sure it is very difficult being her mother. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I could go on, but I won't. This is all about you, and I know that's hard for me, but I... <laughs> I will do my best. So, sweetie, you've got one more question. I can't believe it's time to go already. What's it going to be? Make it a good one for Judy. What's the best kind of bagel? Oh, my God. I keep... Mm. Mm. Sweetheart, no one has ever asked me such a personal question on this show before. What is the best kind of bagel? Well, sweetie, it's a bagel you put in your mouth. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh. Well, dearies, that's been it for the last lung with Judy. I love you all. And we'll be right back, right after this. Buddha. Today's episode of the Buddhaverse is brought to you by Shoehorns. That's right, Shoehorns. If more people knew what they were, they wouldn't have to buy so many shoes. Buddha. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Booterverse. I have a very special guest with me today. Vincent Holiday is here. He's a comedian and a wonderful, just a wonderful man. I, I just met him, but I know I can feel the zhuzhiness coming off of him. Vincent, thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, uh, you're very welcome. Sorry I got a little zhuzhu on you. No, it's okay. That's how we rock and roll here. I mean, if I can get a little quaff juice on you, it's okay. Man, it is so great to have you a comedian, my friend, how did you get started in this wacky business that we have? Uh, it's hard for me to pinpoint. Um, so, Did you fall into it like a manhole? or uh, I fell into many a manhole. Um, oh, my. What were, so, specifically, a friend of mine uh, that I used to wait tables with, uh, Ryan Singer, was recording his album at Go Bananas about six years ago now. And other friends of mine like, hey, do you remember this guy? Let's go check him out. Let's go see him. So I watched him, and I thought, oh, well, I want to do that. And so he got me started on the path, and then here I am. Beautiful. And here you are sitting right across from me, surely a gem in the cap that is your career. <laughs> 
Yes. We're is. just gonna no. We're just gonna leave. We're let's gonna just leave, leave that hanging. We'll yeah. just we'll just leave that out there. Yeah. I just just pictured the uh, the Burger King crown, and I was like, I know which jewel you are. Yeah. He wants to make it your way. <laughs> and if that shouldn't scare the children, I don't know what would. That's the uh, that's the liberal agenda I keep hearing about. Yes, everywhere. <laughs> yes, the oh man. I mean, if we let chains start doing their own thing, it's gonna be anarchy. Mm-hmm. Did you hear that uh, McDonald's actually lost eleven percent in revenues uh, this year? I I did know that they've been hurting. I haven't. I didn't see the year, but I know like it's been incremental, like six straight quarters of decline. Boom! And uh, it's like the U.S. economy, right? Circa two thousand and eight. Yeah, they're actually going to start closing some restaurants. They have right. Like, yeah. was it some four hundred? Is that some, yeah something kind of staggering for McDonald's? Maybe we could turn them all into comedy clubs. I mean, think about it. A clown already worked there. That would work. Oh, I like it. See? Yeah, get the hamburger to open. We could we could actually start a comedy chain and call it Mick Comedy. <laughs> I already feel like there is one. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> oh, I'm never going to work the funny bones anyway, so I might as well name drop. Oh my! Oh, you know, do you think that kind of comedy is specific just to that, or do you think that most clubs have an aesthetic and go for that and get people work who fit that aesthetic for them? So I, I do know, like every club does have a, its feel, um, and, and every venue. So it's not just clubs necessarily. It's all the the alt rooms and the the underground scenes and things like that, and certain styles that they go for. And with my experiences from the Funny Bones that I've worked, um, I've never really enjoyed them because are they not seedy enough for you? <laughs> They're they're too. I feel like they're they're too commercialized. So when people go in, they they expect a certain kind of a mick joke, if you will. Yeah, I want to say burrito comedy. Um, not not Mexicans. No, like literally, like uh, so you know, um, burrito restaurants where you go in and they ask you like white or brown rice, black or pinto beans, what kind of salsa, and then you get to pick and choose what you want. And then if you don't like your burrito, it's your fault because you've made horrible life decisions. You have made those horrible queso choices. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like the people coming into a lot of those establishments um, are the same way. So they don't they don't go into Taco Bell where it's like, this is my quesarito. I don't know what the hell's in it, but I'm just going to, you presented it to me, I'm going to eat it. They're walking in thinking that this is a burrito place and... You're going to tell me jokes that I like, and you're going to say things that I want to hear, and when I don't like what you're saying, I'm going to really audibly let you know that I disapprove of this. And then, boom. And then, yeah. And so, you can, as the performer, you can craft your art to be what the audience wants to to hear, and you can let them dictate to you how you write your jokes, and... And what you present to them. And if they want to hear um, certain, uh, so they probably don't want to hear any kind of political leaning. You know, if they just want to hear about uh, the funny place where you farted or how weird and scary gay people are, then you can write your jokes about that and you can work there. Or you can continue to write the jokes that you want and then find the venues that want to hear what you have to say. So, Vince, where was the funniest place you farted? 
funny place I farted was probably oh it's one of many many elevators mm. I would say in particular I had one bottled up uh, it was my day job at the bank the the director of our department I did not really enjoy too much uh, during the interview process he had a very Anne Randian um, interview style interesting uh did he do it in stilettos uh and whips and chains um it wasn't a saturday so i would say no. who's to say who's bankers to say? are you know they're, they're expanding yeah. their you know yeah whatnot yes so uh so i already had a, a, a huge disdain for this man as a as a person and as a professional and as every fiber of my being is just in revolt and antithesis of his existence and uh uh, it was a it was an interesting day with uh, an Indian buffet. Well, you know what you've got to do is it's very nice. We have some wonderful Rogan Josh. It's going to be mm-hmm. very good for you. Yes, I may help you. I uh, I hit my floor. He was coming on. I was leaving, and uh, and I gifted him with the remnants of aloo green beans. Mm. Wow, just as good going in as it is <laughs> going out. I would imagine. Revenge is a dish best served. With a lot of curry. <laughs> so Khan didn't have it right. You know. Khan, I don't even know why I think he wants to put curry on it, but I'm just not sure. Just not sure. Yeah. Speaking of material that might not be potable for mass audiences, do you find that your comedy sort of is a niche uh, At, sort of venue? Uh, all the time. So one of the one of the hardest things for me right off the bat is uh, is being an open homosexual where uh and performing in places where currently they are they are voting on my uh my marriage rights voting on the ability to fire me for just being uh presidential nominees whose campaign platform has round us all up and put us in the in the cages and things uh i've lost many an audience just by just from two words I can have a great set, and then I can say I'm gay, and I can lose the whole audience. The not half of the audience, but a whole, whole just lose the room. Mm-hmm. They could be completely on board with uh, raping babies and and uh, the inappropriate racial slurs for every ethnicity, and uh, they'll have a, a grand old time. And then as soon as they find out there's one of them queers in the room completely shut down i tell you what i mean you might as well put liberace up there and hang him by the you know three car we have a little discotheque out there rhinestone cowboys i mean they the, i'll tell you what those dogs won't even hunt i mean i'll tell you what they'll be lying on their backs in the back mm-hmm. porch just thinking about what they're gonna you know what i'm talking about uh chillicothe i remember oh. you well. <laughs> uh <laughs> So, so yeah, I mean, like, by default, when you are the topic of political campaigns, yeah, uh, my material is gross and edgy by default. But it's got to be fun feeling you're, you're popular, though. Yeah. Yeah, so I've just embraced it, because now I feel like, look, if you're going to hate me, if I cannot prove a lover, I'm determined to prove a villain. So I just... I just become the most militant liberal I can be and put it out there. <laughs> so not only are you hitting them with, you know, social uh, commentary, but you're also bringing that into the, you know, the political realm as well. They've got to love that. I mean, that goes over always so, so well. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, so there's 
my views on religion and politics, social issues, and then my own personal love life and how that fits into the grand scheme of things. And they're like, right, but where'd you fart? <laughs> and you have a vun- wonder. <laughs> Actually, maybe one of the most wonderful stories I've ever heard, uh, considering flatulence. And I, I appreciate that about oh, you, sir. Well, thank you. I a got... man for all seasons, really, you are. <laughs> do you think your audience see it coming? I mean, when you sashay, as I assume that you do, onto stage. I mean, do they get the sense that this is who you are right from the bat? Because I would have... I didn't ask. You know, I have a don't ask, don't tell policy here on the Booterverse. Right. I, if you want to share, I'm happy... This is an yeah. open, wonderful place. Um, so I, I feel like I kind of slide under the radar. That's another like struggle that I have is um, a lot of people want you to be, um, and I found this also, uh, working at certain chain, rest, uh, chain comedy clubs. Um, if you're going to identify as a specific demographic, then you need to be the biggest caricature of that demographic possible so part of where i struggle is because i'm not covered in sequins and glitter and diamonds and everything and uh, i don't snap my fingers and say fierce so um that isn't necessarily what some people want and uh, and and so i struggle with that but uh i do i usually like knowing where i have to perform i usually don't open right off the bat uh with with blatant uh, homosexuality. You know, you gotta. You, gotta you wanna ease them into ease it. Ease them into Put a little it, right. lube yeah. in first. Yeah, you, you know, go you in like a duck. You don't come in like a wrecking ball. And uh, So basically, you have a thing against Miley Cyrus. That's I, what I'm hearing you say. Yes. Very, yeah. Oh, I, I can't help I hear you. I hear you. No, I'm, I'm yeah. hearing what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Now, <laughs> I'm gonna ask this question. Sir, are you a gamer? Do you uh, play board games? Do you like. Yeah. Okay. So. So there's a, a few things like in, so in general I'm not a big fan of like the European games with the whole like tile placement like oh. no cards no dice no luck just use your skill See, like that I like that fun random factor to it uh-huh. and then I just feel really racist playing wait, Puerto Rico wait I mean the fact that the colonists are brown shouldn't tip you <laughs> off to any <laughs> racial undertones I my just friend. feel really bad like. <laughs> I'm going to make them pick coffee and cotton and... Don't forget uh, the indigo and tobacco. And, and, yes, and like, I feel my... I have so much white guilt playing Puerto Rico. I can't enjoy it. You know what? The best way to avoid white guilt is <laughs> just quaff your hair like this. It just, it just... It can't even get in. The guilt can't even seep in. Right, but I got I, so much hairspray. But I can't because now I'm... Because as a bald white guy, I look like every every villain... Ever. I can't. Right. Okay. So all you're saying is you want some freaking sharks with some freaking laser beams attached to their head? Was I, that too much to ask? I just want to kill Superman. Mm. And a comet. Sir, you are... <laughs> I'm a lexicon of pop culture references. That's that's great. I love that. So, Vincent, you've already come out with an album. Uh, share with the audience what the name of that was. Uh, the album is called Too Soon. It's, uh, it's... A little dig on two things. Uh, one, it references what a lot of the joke material is about. And the other is kind of a dig at everyone who said it was too soon for me to put out an album. So, How long had you been doing comedy when you put that album out? Uh, five years. Now, in some professions, 
you would already be middle management by that point. Right, yeah. But to do an album in in the comedy world, that's a staple and a statement of who you are as an artist. Right, and it's usually supposed to be about like year 8 to 10, and then you're supposed to be headlining and doing all this other stuff, and I had an hour's worth of material that I was ready to to put out there to the world, so I recorded and put it out there. Why not? Can I ask, how did the album sales go? Uh, pretty pretty good. Actually, I surprised myself. I got debuted in the top ten on iTunes. That's awesome. Yeah. And so are you, with this new album you have coming out, are you expecting or hoping for similar success, or are you approaching this new album in a different way? Um, I would like to have the, the same success. Obviously, I'd like it to be even, even bigger, but I've got realistic expectations of where I'm at right now. Um... But yeah, I've I've definitely going to take a lot of the lessons that I learned from this first go around, and uh, and just do them bigger and better on the second go around. We've talked about politics. Do you use pop culture in uh, in your comedy as well? Oh yeah, I uh, I run the full gamut. You run the full gamut, uh, like George Michael ran the full gamut, or uh, well, I've not been caught in any restrooms yet. If that's what you're asking, I don't presume anything. Okay, <laughs> I won't do it. You can't make me presume. Uh, yeah, pretty much like uh, pretty much like George Michael. Um, I am your father figure. Uh, you've got to have faith. Mm, you just got to have faith. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking of having faith, my friend, you you have a message and a lot of things that you're sharing with your audiences. At this time in the show, we open it up to you okay. um, to share anything you'd like. Funny it be, not funny, something serious. Uh, we welcome. We welcome you to an open mic, a carte blanche. If carte you will. blanche. Um, what I'm really working on uh, for the second album is love is the answer to everything. Uh, if there is a God, we'll only discover him through science. The more you study the artist's work, the more you can understand the artist. Um. The apocalypse has already happened. This is what he had planned, so we better make the most of it. Uh, And love is scary. It's a terrible, horrible, wonderful, beautiful thing. Mm. And like that fart you dropped in that elevator, sir, (laughs) you've left us with a heavy load. Uh, Vincent (laughs) Holiday, it's been great to have you on the show. Thank you, sir. All right, thank you for having me. This was fun. And we'll be right back right after this. And now for Booter Thoughts. Oh, sure, you'd like to put your money in a public fountain. La dee da, make a wish and let's make sure it doesn't come true. You, my friends, have pinned the hopes and dreams of children everywhere on a bunch of running water that just recycles itself through whatever city sewer system it goes through. No, they're not going to get a wish. They're going to get Ebola or another kind of virus. And don't get me started on the kinds of algae that are living in those public fountains. Oh, you went to Rome, you said. Oh, you saw the Trevi Fountain, you said. Oh, how wonderful your life must be. Well, let me tell you something. The same water that goes down Luigi Raphael's toilet is the same water that's floating around that fountain. Oh, sure, why don't you stick your toe in there? Why don't you go for a swim? Oh, yeah, that's sanitary. Why don't you just go to a public restroom and take a dive? I think not. So before you let your children make a wish in a public fountain that's nothing more than a cesspool of disease, think twice. So do what I do. Just find a nice little shooting star and make a wish on that. Because, you know, wishes do come true. And that's been it. 
for today's Booter Thought. Here at the Booterverse, we'd like to thank Vincent Holliday for being on the show. We'd also like to thank you, the listeners, for tuning in. Of course, we'd like to thank Courtney and Sonny, who help on the production side, and to Quadrants, who composed our theme song. If you haven't had enough of me here, I'm also everywhere on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under the handle The Booter. And of course, we're also on Pinterest, because, you know, men should be on Pinterest? I know interstellar travel is a bit difficult, but the Booterverse is only a click away. Thank you.